Caps. I'm Joey Pasco. And I'm Big Head Joe. And we're here today to uh, kind of bring you all up to speed. On... Wait a second. Dude. What's wrong? Wait, wait, what did you say your name was again? Yeah, Joey Pasco, man. Affinity for Blue. <laughs> you don't really sound like Joey Pasco. What did you do to Joey? Listen, he's in One Piece. Don't worry about it. Is he? Okay, One Piece. Which piece? The good piece. Okay, thank goodness. All right. Awesome. Um, well, uh, I don't know. I'll have, to t- I'll have to work a little while to save up the ransom money. But in the meantime, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce your actual self to everyone? Yeah, sure. I'll put you on a payment plan. Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is Stephen Marshall. Uh, I'm uh, 29 male, Texas. That's my age, sex, location there. ASL, oh. like it. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, apparently I'm going to, uh, for the meantime, while uh, Joey's friends and family work up the ransom money, uh, be co-hosting uh, Yo! MTG Taps. Sweet. All right. I, I, I can roll with it. I'm pretty I'm pretty flexible. So, cool. All right. They'll they'll get second jobs and start squirreling money away, as it were, uh, in a vault. Um, I would like to imagine if you're saving up ransom money, you're squirreling it and you're <laughs> putting it in a vault somehow that you own. So that's cool. All right, good. And uh, so what we're going to do today is we're going to get to know Steven a little better. Um, and if you stick around till the end of the episode, uh, we're going to have a whole lot of non-magic talk, which will be a lot of fun. And that's my, apparently my catchphrase now is a lot of fun because it's like what I said for the, the entire 20 minute announcement that I made saying we were coming back was, I was like, we went to this place and we had fun. We went to this place and we had fun. We had this place and had fun. <laughs> so apparently fun was a theme. I guess the fun is a running theme in my life lately. Cool. Great. Yeah, so anyway, after this uh, little intro thing, Mabob, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about – we're all going to talk about the uh, – we're all – I mean, we're both uh, with somebody else. We're going to talk about our favorite albums uh, of 2013. So if you like that sort of thing, stick around till the end. If you don't like that sort of thing, we'll let you know when we're done talking about magic so you can shut it off and go get on. No hard feelings. Day. Right, exactly. <laughs> we did go on – a little longer than we expected to, but that's totally okay. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So, Stephen, uh, you've been playing Magic uh, for how long? Well, I mean, I guess contiguously, probably just like a couple years. Um, sure, sure, sure. I mean, I started playing in elementary school and middle school, although it wasn't really. Uh, we had a very loose understanding of the rules, um, so it wasn't anywhere near competitive. That's probably around Ice Age. Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember too much about it, um, just that I thought <laughs> I thought the artwork for Pestilence was, like, the coolest thing ever. And it was. Uh, it's, a, it's a picture of the zombie uh, Gandhi-looking guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and then I also felt like a genius by putting Icy Manipulator and Royal Assassin in my deck. I think Royal Assassin is my favorite card. Together, because we had a house rule where the creatures attacking, when they became tapped, that didn't count. You couldn't you couldn't use Royal Assassin to k- destroy those creatures. <laughs> uh, yeah, I felt really cool when I tried it. Like, no, you can't do that. Like, I, I don't know. We didn't know. None of us knew the rules, but someone thought that was, like, obviously not uh, allowable um and so pretty much after that it was probably around ice age i'd say i stopped playing for a very long time yeah i would have stopped uh, playing too if i thought that my uh <laughs> royal assassins which were my favorite card didn't work the way that they actually worked 
so yeah, I stopped for a really long time until probably winter of uh, 2011, 2012, and uh, I can't remember how. I think someone just showed me like basically uh, what's now been like the gateway drug to the the wider Magic World for everyone: Duels of the Planeswalkers. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, downloaded that on stream, played that for a while, uh, and uh, like you know got all the unlocks and stuff like that until I kind of need you know got the need to to build my own decks. So I just went to uh, my first, like, actual, I guess, sanctioned, got my DCI number to play in a F&M uh, sealed deck for uh, Avacyn Restored. Right on. And so I made I made my 60-card deck, just like in Duels of the Planeswalkers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, had, had to use, I think it was three or four colors just to have enough cards to actually play. And uh, nice. somehow won a single match. And uh, that <laughs> that was enough for me to start going to uh more more and more fnms until i had enough cards playing sealed fnm to actually start doing standard fnm and then started playing at more and additional stores different formats got into modern and then eventually i started playing on uh moto magic online um which you definitely have to be determined <laughs> to start playing that true but that's that's primarily where i play now I'd say I've pl- I, I play the majority of my magic uh, online now. Although I still make it out to FNM probably most of the weeks at uh, the local store here. Uh, Common Ground Games. Yeah, that's that's where you come in. <laughs> yeah, man. Are you going this Friday? Yeah. Sweet. I think I'm gonna go as well. Yeah, I'm not sure what the format is. I think it's actually Theros constructed, which I might have misheard them, but if so, that makes me very happy. That sounds pretty <laughs> fun, actually. I don't. What would you play? Uh, for Theros Constructed, oh man, I guess I'd probably just try to port something from Standard and be really unoriginal. You can play four Toshis. Yeah, you can play four Garys. You can play four Heroes Downfall. Yeah. I'm sure there's something there. Yeah, Um, and I think that's where my base starts to, since I've already got Mono Black Devotion built, I'd probably start there as well. (laughs) Oh man, that's going to be, that's going to be degenerate if that's what's actually happening. There, there um, might be some sort of aggro deck possible since there's like Lightning Strike, Magma Jet, the Fire Drinker Seder, and uh, Storm Breath Dragon. I don't know. That's <laughs> that's iffy. I'm not sure. Well, it sounds it sounds uh, interesting anyways. I almost hope that's it because I like weird formats. <laughs> like, I almost hope that's it, but I just don't – it just doesn't sound right. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe oh, I love, I love stupid formats. There was a – there was two-man queues. Uh, they don't have them up anymore, but for a brief period of time, it was Corset M14 – constructed so you could only use cards from there um i did the black white uh crushing that right oh yeah bog brew witch fiend slayer paladin just all the good black and white stuff uh and yeah i just did not lose a match because i think people only as bad at magic or worse than me were playing it so that that helped a lot i'm totally gonna force red what do you got i got shock and that's pretty good right shock and uh shock i got shock um, yeah, Archangel of Thune was uh, was pretty tough to beat for those. Uh, it was mostly red decks, actually. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you would even go that route with M14, but anyway, I guess you have Chandra's feet. I I can't even begin nah. to justify that that decision. Uh, and I'm your resident former perennial mono red player. You're reformed now. A little bit. I mean, so uh, I think I've taken that up. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much. No, I haven't really discussed it too much because I've only uh, briefly went over what I've been doing ma- magic-wise over the last couple months or whatever. 
but uh, I've decided consciously to move away from mono red and went so far as to sell my Boros Reckoners before I got any uh, other ideas. Just got rid of them and got rid of like anything else that would be related to mono red deck to try to expand my mind, as it were, in terms of deck choices and you know learning how to play decks. Uh, and I, obviously, uh, in Waco when we went down there, it was at 19th place, I guess, with blue white control. Which yeah, <laughs> for my first like major tournament playing blue white control, it's a pretty respectable finish. So I yeah, was- I think. I think I basically absorbed all your old tendencies, um, <laughs> and now I'm like just debilitatingly addicted to playing rogue decks. And <laughs> just cannot play. I won't play blue at all. Uh, well, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, that seems like a good segue. You know, and it would, and we are kind of skipping around. Arc. We we got some ideas for what we wanted to talk about today, but since we're on it, uh, let's go right to it. We're thinking about new year's resolutions because uh as of this recording it's new year's eve eve december 30th and thinking about magic new year's resolutions for 2014 things that we want to do next year to improve our game and to uh or maybe not improve our game maybe just bucket list things that we've always wanted to do like play battle of wits in standard or something you know something stupid seems like a much worse scape shift (laughs) (laughs) 2014 new year's resolutions so um you know this was your idea so yeah in mind uh i have uh i actually have several so on on magic online i'm i'm an okay player i'm usually in the mid 1700s if anyone plays online that's Uh, awesome that's like that's a winning record i like to think that i'm merge records Um, so I'm usually, yeah, I'm like, I'm usually right around 1740, 1750, like in constructed or in or limited, just both. But in preparing for GP Dallas, which we went to, and since then I've been playing, uh, just, just the worst decks just possible, uh, in, in kind of like trying to avoid actually testing and playing mono blue or mono black or some of the actual big devotion decks. I've, I tried the Naya Hexproof deck. I tried, uh, the blue green flash deck that won that Brazilian PTQ and that, that I haven't been working out so hot, so I've, I've tanked my rating into the mid 1600s, which is the Baslo as it's been since I actually figured out the actual, like, like actually how to operate uh, Magic Online. So, uh, my my first uh, Magic New Year's resolution is to, I guess, become much, uh, just become less of a deck hipster. And uh, what I mean by that is that, um, you know, we're gonna burnish our, our hipster credentials later in the podcast, but uh, there's people, you know, with music that have there's there's a negative correlation between how popular a band is and how much they can possibly like the music, completely separate from how good the music is, um, and that's that's to an extent how I am with a with a deck. So, example for like Waco, one of the decks that I was testing is the first week of standard was actually, and I mean, uh, uh, like most people actually had come to the same deck basically, but I had like a mono blue deck built and I, I thought it was a lot of fun. And uh, you know, normally I don't play blue, but this is just basically like a aggro deck. And as soon as it got breakout success at the pro tour, I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to, I still have not actually tested that deck except to jam games at the request against other people that wanted to test against it. Alec, one of the people we went to the grand prix with, uh, who actually day two, uh, with, uh, Esper control, um, I played a, a couple of matches against him the night before as uh, Mono Blue, uh, and it just felt absurdly powerful. Um, <laughs> but that still would not convince me to uh, uh, switch to that deck. So yeah, you had so called that deck too. 
like, <laughs> like you had that, that. We were making fun of you. Like you had yeah, that, that deck true. built. We were like, huh, yeah, right. Mono blue. Oh, what are you going to do? It's true. People, yeah, you guys your mage <laughs> against a mono black deck. <laughs> like, and then it was like, oh, so wait, everyone's playing that deck now. Oh no. And like, wait, you have like almost the exact list in your book bag. Well, just I mean, the, fun. the thing is, is if like, once you say I'm going to build a mono blue deck or whatever, then like, you know, there's not that many cards as evidenced by the fact that, you know, they're playing judges familiar four of, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're scraping the, 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 the bottom of the barrel there with, uh, with them. And I mean, there's just not that many cards that go in the deck, but yeah, I, I, I uh, had it built first week, uh, Theros is legal. And, um, I was also splashing black for Thoughtseize just cause you know, why not? But yeah, henceforth, I want to be less of a deck hipster. I want to focus more on decks that will objectively win and give me the best percentage, uh, chances of winning irrespective of what colors they might be or, or how powerful they are or anything like that. So like, I mean, last standard season I was playing like junk mid range. I think BBD tweeted about it. Um, and I played it and it was really sweet. Um, and like, I think I four owed and three, one to daily and one and eight man and, uh, was playing that a lot until junk reanimator started getting played. And it's just basically a better version of that. And it was, it basically became the most powerful deck in standard. And for some reason I just <laughs> didn't, didn't want to make the leap to play that, but I tested the heck out of the Conley woods dredge deck, uh, a much, much worse graveyard strategy for GP Dallas. Right. Uh, <laughs> just uh, it's just being incredibly stubborn so first first things first i'm going to boot up excel that's where i've uh i've been trying to get be more objective about how i'm doing with certain decks um, i'm gonna boot up excel i'm going to go into two mans and i'm going to play 10 matches with mono blue devotion and i'm just gonna see where the chips fall uh and keep track of the win wins and losses versus what decks and uh and, and start there and I like I like the fact that you're very like analytical in these sort of things. Even even when you're testing the bad decks, you're you're testing them very scientifically, which I do like. You know, me I I tend to not take any notes, and when I do, I just don't remember what they mean at the end. I'm like I've decided to stop taking notes when like I test or going. I used out to of- not. <laughs> or going out of my way to keep like the life total sheets and things. Just for me, like. I've just learned that I'll never reference them, and if I do, I'll just reference them to go, what the heck does that say? I don't know. I can never make sense of things like that. So my testing is very, not emotional, but like just kind of more intuitive. Like how does the deck feel? Right. It's more of an intuitive thing, like, and like, and like mechanics, you know, almost like a mechanical testing. Like, let me make sure that when I scry, I don't accidentally put the card in my hand and like really nitpicky, like technical stuff is stuff that i've been like wanting to improve on like tightening up my technical game more so than like my actual like like playing and 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 plays that i make throughout the game because that can change you know what i mean you're not always going to have that perfect curve so you have to be able to adapt to those situations so i feel like a lot of times overanalyzing those particular things isn't useful because you're drawing a random seven every game whereas you can totally pitch a game by drawing a scry card. You know what I mean? So like I've that's something I've done in the last year is is try to focus more on that technical aspect of my play. That is one I I uh I that I I just came up with another one uh, just for while you're talking there is uh mm-hmm. yeah, I need to since I I play the majority of my matches online, I get incredibly sloppy when playing in paper. I'll just 
forget game states. I'll forget, you know, what cards have protection from what colors. I'll uh, just mess up sequencing that I wouldn't do online. It's just, um, I guess the only way to really fix that is just when I'm playing in paper, I guess, um, just try to keep track of actual misplays and actually write them down since I, I, I now keep uh, track of my life um, and, you know, make notes um, on actual score pad. Um, just each, I, I'll do it this F and M. I'll actually just write down my misplays and total them up and then just try <laughs> to uh, gradually decrease that number because it, it's really hard to misplay online other than just like misclicking or, or hitting F6 and, and, you know, going through your turn. Oh yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention from Grand Prix Dallas, my absolute favorite play I made. So game one, my remo- I was playing Mono Black Devotion, and game one, uh, I got shut down by like double judges familiar. So game two, I had sided in Pithing Needle for Thassa, right? I had an opening hand, and I was like, well... I don't want that to happen again this game. So I went turn one, no look, you know, no thought sees, you know, turn one, pithing needle judges familiar, (laughs) right? He goes, turn one, judges familiar, turn two, judges familiar, judges familiar. It was the best play. Like I, I, you know, my best pithing needle plays have come off of no look. Like I did a, a, like a turn one pithing needle when I was playing blue white control against uh, like a gruel ramp deck. And he had like double and I named Domery raid, even though he's got Xenagos too. I named Domery raid. He had like double Domery raid in his hand and no Xenagos. <laughs> I was just like, God, it's so good. Like so strong. Like when you can like, just guess my, my guessing is strong. So be more open-minded about playing tier one decks. And what was the other one? Oh, just uh keep a physical tally of how many like actual misplays. Uh, yeah. Misplays that I'm, I'm making like uh in, in person uh, just because they seem to be just exponentially higher. I think, you know, my main new year's resolution for magic this year is just to be a little more social or, or I don't know if social is the right word. Cause I'm obviously like a pretty outgoing dude when it comes to like being in public or whatever, but to maybe just try to find a balance between protecting myself and protecting my belongings and the integrity of my trust mm-hmm. and just blanket not trusting anyone because i know if steven you know we've known each other for a while now one thing you can safely say about me at least i don't know if this was always true but it's definitely been true in the last six months is that i trust everyone about as far as i can throw them and like (laughs) there are so many people that play at our shop that like like when I first met him, I'm like, that guy's shady, man. I'm yeah, not you're like, you, need to, you need to watch out for him. I'm not going to name names, but like <laughs> so many times I've been like, that guy's shady, dude. Like, and then like get to know that they're just like, like not even just like a pretty cool person, like a ridiculously awesome person. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, I feel like such a dunce. I'm never like outwardly hateful. You know what I mean? It's never no. like, outward thing. Like you, like, like some of the people I've named to you, you're like, seriously, because I don't <laughs> act that way, but I've like, yeah. I've gotten this, like where I really like, I just have, I have suspicions that just, come out of I don't know where you know what I mean like I'm just suspicious of people as a rule like as a starting point and then I let people uh, then people earn my trust which isn't necessarily bad 
But when it's as, as extreme as it's, I've taken it, I feel. So, so take your cynical level from like a nine to maybe a six. Yeah, you know, seriously, because, yeah, uh, uh, not everyone is all bad all the time, you know? Yeah, wow. <laughs> Such an optimist. Right? <laughs> and it's just, like, one of those things where I've just, like, I know, like, I consciously know that I need to work on it. A lot of my in-your-face, like, public persona, if you will, is a front. I'm just being straight-up honest, like... You know, I, I'm, I'm a, I have a lot of social anxieties that I don't really, um, that I don't make apparent, you know, and that I, that I hide very, very well. Um, I'd say so. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, it's one of those, it stems from that, I think. Uh, but I, it's something I want I really want to work on. Like, I'm really happy, like playing wise, honestly, I think there's like, for me in terms of like. Compared to my previous results, I feel like there's nowhere to go but down. Because I did really great this year. Like, I'm happy with yeah. what I played this year. I mean, I top eight at a PTQ. You know, at least I got a buy for Dallas. I didn't use it. <laughs> I mean, I used it, but it was worthless. I won a GPT with 10 pro people. Made the finals of game day. Uh, 19th place at a big standard event playing a deck I was completely unfamiliar with before testing, you know. Yeah. Entire entire style of deck. I feel like a lot of what I set out to do in the last couple months I've done magic wise, which is cool. There's stuff I want to build on there. Yeah, that's uh obviously a topping a PTQ would be something I'd like to do uh this year. But then I guess like the two two other ones um are just like super technical. Uh one I just need to kind of like you did for for Waco that first uh tournament of the standard season for Theros um where you, you picked up blue white control. I'm I'm going to take a Esper or just some blue based control deck to F&M um, and just, just put it through its paces. And actually, I, I've literally never played a uh, constructed control deck, uh, especially blue, um, ever. So That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to do that uh, at least at least once. Just give it a shot. And it, it, it probably also just help, help me in terms of like, you know, when I'm obviously not going to be playing those later uh, as I play against those decks. Cause I did, uh, I did play the uh, just briefly. I played that uh, Esper humans deck from that, that got second place at the GPT recently. At I haven't F actually seen that deck. It what? is. It's, it's a weird animal. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a mid range creature based deck, but then also runs two Supreme verdicts main deck um, just because it has four Xanthrid necromancers and two uh, whip of Erebos to kind of make the, uh, it, it's weird to have like it's mostly creatures. It's a mostly creature deck, but it runs two main deck and one I think sideboard supreme verdict. It, it has those six cards to make the effects I guess as asymmetrical if you happen to have them on the battlefield or, or eventually draw whip later. So I actually cast my first uh, supreme verdict uh, playing the deck, and it actually it felt pretty good. I'll definitely play uh, either Esper, uh, probably Esper, because I still want to play Thoughtseize and um, some some of those cards. And the man is going to get better. I mean, like, oh, yeah, you know, we've got, I think, two PTQs that are within like reasonable distance to us. We've got one in Plano and one in Waco in the next couple months for standard season. So, OK, um, well, then uh, the, 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 I guess the, the last goal I have probably uh, would work towards that is just um, I, I, I want to actually pick a deck and run with it for more than one week. I have a really short attention span when it comes to, to decks I play like within one week. I'll test. I don't know four or five different decks and i don't know if i've strung together two standard fnms playing the same deck consecutively 
Um, so I think I'd like to actually try to pick a deck just, just to, and I, and just to improve my play with it and, and, uh, hopefully as a side effect, uh, somehow rehabilitate my, uh, constructed rating online. <laughs> I'd like to crack 1800 at some point. Uh, I've gotten there. I've gotten incredibly close in the past whenever I had a deck that I really liked, like, um, uh, red, black zombies, um, and then actually burn whenever I was playing that stupid burn deck. Um, that wasn't stupid. I thought it was cool. <laughs> it, it's, it's actually fine. I, I think I, I think on the most recent top eight magic podcast, Mike Flores was talking about a very similar deck. Um, it's like a red white. It's kind of like controlling more than burn um, since you're using uh, all the burn to basically kill those creatures and just leave yourself with like a Chandra's uh, Phoenix left over to kill him with. Um, that, 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 that might be one. I've, that's what I've been playing online a lot lately. I think that might be one that I actually try to stick with over the long term and, um, and actually master a deck instead of just, uh, jamming nine or 10 matches with mm-hmm. one deck and from moving on to the next. So those are, that's pretty much the last goal I'd like to, to work on. I think doing that going into a couple of PTQs would probably be, give me the best chance for success there. Yeah, for sure. And you know, and I have a different problem. It's kind of the same problem, but what I tend to do is I tend to tweak a deck into like oblivion, like into like unplayable stat status. Um <laughs> so like I'll have like a blue white control deck, right? And my blue white control deck that I had built uh for Waco was really like a consensus build of like, you know, this is what these decks had and that you know, kind of what were the agreed of like there were several different deck builders decks I looked at. I think it was like maybe it was like Shaheen's deck, and then it was like Chapin's deck, and it was Jerry's deck. It was like three different blue white control decks that were online. And I kind of went, okay, what is the max number of any particular card that they're running? Like, so they all think you should run two Elspeths. You know what I mean? So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so two Elspeths. And then they all think I should be running four Azorius, Trumps of four Azorius. So I started with like the maximum number, and then I had an extra number of slots to to like beef up numbers. You know what I mean? So like I was like now, and then I tweaked it to my like to what I wanted to have on hand when I played. And I, so- I have the I have the same problem. Uh, I can't just start testing with a like a, a net deck or whatever. Yeah. So like with that Esper Humans deck. I saw that, and I'm like, well, um, I don't get why there's, you know, all those Supreme Verks main deck. I'll run one main deck, but yeah. then I'll throw in a couple of these other cards that are, I think are cute, but just make the deck worse. Right, and like, uh, well, that's the thing is, like, <laughs> yeah. is, um, is, well, I mean, that was the right call, though, for me, for Waco, because it really wasn't a test, it wasn't a settled format. It was a completely yeah. wild format. So it was just kind of like, what do I want to go to battle with? And the reason why I started playing Blue White Control to begin with was I was thinking, okay, which cards am I scared of in standard um, after rotation? And, like, they were almost the shell of the mono, of the blue-white control deck. And I was like, well, then why don't I just play that? Why am I, like, trying to just be scared of these cards? Why don't I just be those cards? So then after that tournament, I did great with that deck. But then the format started to get solved. I'm like, oh, maybe I put this in. Maybe I put this in. Like, at one point, I had prognostic sphinx at yeah, one I remember point that. i had at one point i put in four main deck essence scatters you know what i mean like like, like yeah I, I get so crazy about like picking apart the meta game where i could just play a solid deck that's gonna hit everything and then tweak it in sideboarding and 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 so i just want to like changing the deck and changing the deck changing the deck and eventually i'm like oh this is boring 
You know, like, I don't know. And I'll just, I'll just get sick of it. And I'll get bored with it and move on eventually. Like, I mean, I don't own the cards for blue white control anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> case in point, uh, but I am playing the mono black devotion deck and I'm sticking with it. Then that is something I'm definitely doing. And I did play almost Owen's complete list uh, at the Grand Prix. So I was happy at, with myself for doing that, you know, for going, okay, well, this is, you know, he just won two Grand Prix with it. It can't be too bad in this build. So I, a couple numbers I changed slightly, but I can't even remember what they were. Oh, um, you put a few more Freakas Cure main deck? I had like two Freakas Cure main deck. I think Owen did the same thing, actually. Yeah. So, for that. So, right. you know. So it wasn't that far off. Uh, so obviously for me, like the trust thing, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I'm not going to be an idiot. Some people are just plain shady and that's the way it is. Well, listen, if you're going to leave your stuff unintended, just, just write like a little, like on a piece of paper, don't steal. And Please I think, I think don't steal be, yeah. because I really like these cards, etc. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to try to just find a balance between not trusting anybody and trusting everyone indiscriminately. There's a balance to be had and I'll find it sometime this year. My other new year's resolution is to, be a little more open-minded. I think open-mindedness is a theme in my New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Stop being such an uptight jerk. That's my general New Year's resolution, maybe for life. I don't know. My other New Year's resolution is to be a little more open-minded about the modern format because I am very, very not hateful. Yeah, hateful. Yeah, hateful. I'm very hateful of the modern format. I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's Oh, I love it. <laughs> I dislike it in every way. So, um, modern. I was so bummed when they moved uh, modern season back. Like a basically, you're gonna go like a whole year almost without it. I'm pumped about it because they added a sec. <laughs> no, only because they added a second sealed PTQ season, which just makes my day. Like I love sealed. I love it so much. And um, usually, the formats you're better at, you like more. So, yeah, um, I think that's format dependent for me. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, you know, so I'm I'm excited about a second sealed season. But summer, I was like, oh, modern, cool. I can take the summer off. You know, like when I saw it, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not playing Magic uh, competitively for three months. But I actually want to play, and I'm serious. I'm going to play Mill because. Oh. I'm gonna. I'm going there. I'm just. I'm nice. Gonna, I'm going there. Um, I've I'm, got the cards. I know, and that's like a bit of a deciding factor. But I know I could probably borrow a couple different decks from a couple different people. But the mill deck is what I want to play. The fact. Let, let's see how how open the modern format really is. Um, I've always wanted to play a competitive mill deck. If I'm going into a format that I already like think is bad, I might as well play a deck that I'm going to have a lot of fun winning with. And the cards are strong. It's I think that the mill cards that exist in modern are really strong. If you're looking, or I guess anyone is looking to get into modern and don't know uh, what decks to play, there's this gigantic post on Swasey, W-S-A-S-E-Y, shuffle.wordpress.com. Um, this guy has tested, I think, 30 he lists 30 of the most competitive uh, modern decks and kind of just goes over like what they do and ranks them by tier. If I can find a link, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you, but it's, I, I, I recommend that heavily. It goes over almost any remotely competitive and there's, there's way more than you think there'd be That's interesting. Uh, modern yeah, deck. It yeah. It doesn't feel like that to me. The format doesn't, you know, um, as an outside, maybe 
casual observer of it, you know. And again, my interest is casual because my perception of it is negative. You know what I mean? So I just don't really like pay too much attention because I have this general bad feeling about the format. I don't know. But I want to play I want to play Mill. It's it's always been something I've wanted to play. Um, I did briefly play the Turbo Fog deck in standard uh, when it was a mill deck, not the current standard, although I did briefly play that too. And we'll be probably playing it again after rotation, at least at <laughs> FNM. Uh, thank you, Kiora, for uh, the assist. Um, really? Maze's End. I'm dead. I played the Maze's End deck. Oh, God. I made it work. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, like, you give me – so, like, you give me a better urban evolution – and it has a fog effect built in. Okay, I'll take that. Thank you. You know, um, I actually did not even that didn't even cross my mind when I looked at that deck. <laughs> which, which, uh, but yeah, that does fit in. It has it's basically the effects that deck is 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 doing. Just put put on Planeswalker, which is is kind of nuts, actually. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm kind of really excited about it. I'm like, could this take it over the top? You know, I don't know. Probably not. But it's I, it's a really uh fun deck to throw at people they don't expect it you know and it's uh it, it, it yeah i'll have to i'll just have to play with the card before i before i pass final judgment i i have no idea like on, on the surface it looks like slightly better than ral's eric but which i guess isn't isn't the highest praise but uh four mana planeswalker that ticks up to to neutralize one creature um and if that one creature storm breath dragon it hits that and um you know, I mean, just saying, for example, you know, if there's oh, yeah. like, if there's one fatty on the field, it's dealing with it and it's ticking up. I don't even know what the ultimate is. I don't even care. But more counters means more explorers. So it's pretty cool. And like if any card was a hidden jab at Alex Bertoncini, it's this card, like for real, like everyone made that. Joke. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Online. But it's just like it's, it's like, huh, you've got a merfolk lord that uh, can explore twice. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's uh, not subtle, wizards. You guys are jerks. Not subtle at all. Something you've been meaning to get off your chest there. <laughs> Give the man a break. No, but um, that actually kind of segues nice into uh, something else I want to talk about. So, uh, and again, once again, we're running long, um, but that's okay. Uh, so, I just wanted to talk about something briefly. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone who listens to this podcast, most of you have to know that I did. SCG live coverage for a while. Uh, this podcast was sponsored by StarCityGames.com for a really long time, and uh, they gave us the opportunities to do things that we probably would have never done without their help, and uh, I couldn't be more grateful than I am. With that said, I just have some opinions about their invitational coverage from the past weekend, and you know, again, like not, nothing that I'm saying is trying to burn any bridges with those guys. Um, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. And Star City Games is how most people get to see magic coverage, which is really cool. Um, we have more tournaments to to watch online every weekend almost because of them. And that, that's cool. Like where there's a lot of magic that happens now for us to watch, which is great. I just want to say about their coverage concerning Alex Bertoncini, okay? At this point, guilty, not guilty. In my opinion, and I have come out in support of him before, and uh, that's not anything I'm trying to hide. I obviously 
I mean, I consider the dude a friend, you know, I like him as a person. Um, I've had really fun experiences with the kid. Uh, we've hung out. He's slept on my couch, you know. Uh, now, the thing is, like, whether or not he's guilty is irrelevant because the DCI ruled that he was guilty. And the DCI uh, handed out a punishment that they deemed appropriate to his level of guilt. Alex served out his punishment, plus an added six months for something that isn't really game related that I'm very much opposed to the additional six month ban. I, I, I know that's not even what I want to get into right now, but the point is Alex Bertoncini was sentenced, served his sentence and is a free man as, as it were, he is, has been released into the wild. He's paid his debt to society. He has. He's paid his <laughs> debt to society. You know? And one refrain that I've repeated over and over and over again is, when you're done serving your suspension, I welcome you back into our community with open arms. You know? And it's not just because he's a friend. I say that because if Wizards didn't want him playing this game anymore, or if the DCI didn't want him playing ever again... They had their opportunity to ban him for life, and they did not because apparently they thought that two years, obviously with the added six months, two years was a sufficient punishment for his crimes. And regardless of whether or not you think he did or you think he didn't or whatever, he served it and he's back playing the game. So I think that that's like fine. I think that he should be treated just as anyone else in a tournament, especially someone late in a tournament, you know, he should be treated the same as anyone else in that same position. And that's where I think that SCG really dropped the ball on their coverage. They, they, they made this big announcement where they changed their format, right? They changed like what SCG live is supposed to be. Like they, they, they're stressing professionalism and they're stressing Due to the reduced staff, they're stressing improved consistency in storylines. And that was their word, storylines. And just like that kind of thing where the storylines continue week to week, things like that. Now, first of all, I mean, regardless of what tournament Alex allegedly cheated at, he should be covered at any tournament that he's in now that he's not suspended. He should be covered if he's a competitor, I mean, if he's O2 drop, you don't go and Alex Bertoncini, who got banned for two years, was an O2 drop. You know, like you don't like say that because it's irrelevant. But when it's relevant to your tournament standings, then it's your job as a professional to cover all of the people in contention for your top spots. I mean, I know that everyone was throwing around that graphic of the top players and it was one, two, three, five. I know that that wasn't, that's not what I'm talking about because I know that those were just players they were following throughout the day. And coincidentally, they were first through third and fifth with Alex not being one of them at fourth. So anyone who just wants to go, oh, well, that graphic was, I know. I feel like that was really unprofessional to to not cover someone until they absolutely had to cover him. You know, I know you're upset that this guy took you know, you, you took pictures of this guy holding a $10,000 big fake check and placed plastered him on the front of your page and then it was found out he was called a cheater by the DCI and suspended for 2 years. Like I know that that's 
not fun. It hurts your feelings, but it hurt feelings shouldn't get in the way of doing your job. And I feel like there could have been a much better job done of covering the tournament fairly if you want to maintain professionalism. And that's just all I have to say on that point. Now, more important to me is the second point. If you're doing a tournament series and you want to stress storylines, right? You're listening right now to probably one of the biggest pro wrestling nerds in the Magic the Gathering community, all right? I've got a DVD book. I took all my wrestling DVDs that were in cases and put them into a booklet, and then I counted the discs. I own 140 discs of pro wrestling content. (laughs) Now you want to talk about storylines. Storylines are something that wrestling thrives on. You can't just put two guys in a match and have them beat the crap out of each other uh, and call that entertainment, or it would be the MMA, the MMA. Listen to me. It's like an old. So, so are are you saying Alex is the iron Sheik? Yes, I am. (laughs) You know, he's, he's Sergeant Slaughter burning the the Hulk rules shirt. You know what I mean? Like he's, He's Jake the Snake Roberts tying Macho Man up in the ropes and sicking his python on him and having it bite him. He's Papa Shango making the ultimate warrior vomit up black goo. Like, Alex Bertoncini is the biggest heel in Magic the Gathering. And if you want storylines, like, there is no more tried and true storyline than having the heel defeated by the good guy, which to the magic community is anyone on the other side of the table from Alex Bertoncini. Right. Am I, am I wrong? I'm not wrong. Right. I mean, uh, no, no, on that aspect. No, no. I, I think that's true. You know, like Alex Bertoncini is the biggest heel in magic, the gathering and like, and maybe that it, it almost seems like he's owning that though. If you look he at like his, is. Uh, no, he is his no, he... top eight of that legacy open uh, his his top eight profile there. That was uh, some mighty fine trolling. He <laughs> is owning it, and good for him. You know, like I don't know about good. But... Look, look, you could let all of these people like get in your head and and ruin it because at the end of the day. The, the community at large views Alex Bertoncini as a cheater, right? Mm-hmm. He could sit there and defend himself till he's blue in the face. It's not going to change anyone's opinion of him, right? You're yeah, in, I mean, if I you're wasn't in, following uh, Magic whenever that, that actually happened. But sure, sure. even I, like, you know, before I'd even, you know, did my homework and, like, watch the video or whatever, you know, you say the word, you say the name Alex Bertoncini, even though I wasn't playing at the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy that cheated. You, if you're in that position where no matter what you say or do to try to clean up your image, there people are still going to think you're a cheater. If you're that bad guy, you've got to own it. I mean, you have to, or people are going to just drive you nuts. But it's a good thing. Like, it really is. Like, if you want storylines, you need good guys and bad guys. You know, you really do. I mean, I know it's not all good guys and bad guys. You don't have a lot of that because there aren't a lot of bad guys, frankly. You know, like, there are some. But this is a unique situation where you've got a guy who was filmed more than any other player before him, I would say. And... You've got all this video footage. People are making their own conclusions. And the DCI makes a ruling. The, the kids 
banned for two years and he comes back. Like, and that's another thing that's huge in wrestling are returns. Like a guy coming back from a two year injury or from being off contract for two years is a huge deal. And it's usually rabidly watched. You know what I mean? Like, like when the rock came back to WWE a couple years ago, it was huge. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 that, I guess from that aspect, I do agree that um, in terms of storylines, uh, that's something they're definitely leaving on the table there. Um, I've probably never heard a uh, coverage team be more excited to announce, you know, the, the 3-0 win in a quarterfinals of their top eight ever. Um, and, and, and just the whole uh, them kind of just pretending like he's a ghost, you know, uh, uh, being kind of, it seems like uh, averse to putting him on camera, um, which, I mean, if you know, if he thinks that, you know, once a cheater, always a cheater, uh, then, you know, you know, by all means, have all, as many of his matches as possible on camera. That kind of attitude struck me as a uh, uh, a bit unprofessional because um, I, I do also believe, you know, you know, once you serve your time, uh, whether it be uh, allowing felons to re-enter society, not to make a direct comparison there. Well, no, let's game. make that comparison. But, uh, that you know, I, I feel like they should, you know, people should get a second chance um, when they come back. And, uh, you know, uh, even even if you don't believe that, then, I mean, you know, Star City, Star City Games is a, uh, you know, they're a private company and uh you know, if they're, if they're that upset about it, you know, they, they can not allow them to play in their tournaments. Um, right. They're but, allowed to ban, like they're allowed to exclude anyone they want from a tournament, but they don't. So, I mean, it's like you're riding this line where it's like, well, we'll let you we'll take your money. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you do really well, we're not going to cover it. And then he makes top eight and it's like, well, I don't know. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. It just it just really makes you look bad to be in that position where eventually people are going, wait come on guys, you know, really like this is, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like the elephant in the room that they just uh, kind of refuse to discuss. Right. If you want good storylines, then broadcast the heels. Like, like nothing would have gotten more views out of that top eight than having Alex Bertoncini versus whoever he was playing and having that person three Oh beat him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And what was, it should have been a, a favorable matchup for him. Actually. It seemed like you would have had audible cheers, people sitting in front of their computers actually cheering that he lost. You know what I mean? Like, like I wanted to see him do well because I wanted to see them forced to put him on camera, frankly, you know? I wanted to see how flattering the angel token would have been. <laughs> <laughs> that he said he was going to get made if he won the he, he was invitational. Gonna, yeah, he wanted to make an angel token, which I think is really funny. All right, cool. So, uh... After this, like I said, we're going to start talking about our favorite albums of the year. We've got a specialist guest uh, for that. And um, contact information for us, uh, we're on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. I'm at Twitter at OMGWTFBHJFTW. You can reach Steven on Twitter, and you should start following him. I got him about 10 more followers in the last day or so. I don't know if you've looked at your Twitter, but I added – I got about 10 followers oh. for you because uh, I was just kind of spamming with followers. What is my actual Twitter name? It's at, oh, yeah. at M00NPI um, is Steven's Twitter since he's not all super famous and inaccessible like us, if you uh, like me and Joey, uh, if you tweet at him, he might actually uh, answer you. It's the same thing on uh, Modo. So, it, but that's actually M O O N P I Moon Pie uh, on on MTGO. If you want, if you want to challenge me, you know, come at me, bro. Word. And I'm actually on there, uh, and I don't know. I don't know if we've talked about it much 
on the podcast before, but I've started playing Moto uh, in the last year or two, and um, my name on there is Big Head Joe. Uh, I'm not on there too often, and most of the time I'm just playing limited anyway uh, when I am, uh, but uh, you could probably uh, at least add me on there and uh, shoot me a little message and say hi, uh, and I'll say hi in like two months when I get back on there. And then uh, our email address is yomtgtaps at gmail.com. We've gotten some sticker requests over the last like month or two. I don't have any more stickers. I don't know if Joey has any stickers or not. Um, if he does still have some. Oh, I want a sticker. Yeah, well, uh, too bad because I'm out. <laughs> email us. Email, email yourself and I'll tell you, sorry, I can't give you one. We don't have any more, I don't think. If Joey has some, I might get him to mail them out to me so I can start handling the sticker requests again. Or we might order some more. Um, I haven't exactly worked all that out. Me and Joey are still kind of like transitioning over like the responsibilities or whatever. I just uh, I just transferred the Libsyn account uh, to my uh, credit card recently and uh, and upgraded it so we could actually fit these ridiculously long recordings on it. Well, listen, if I if, listen, if I if I have to open up the wallet to get myself a sticker, <laughs> I'll make that happen. Word, word. We'll, you know, <laughs> again, we can just me and you can discuss all that sometime. But uh, you know, for now, uh, we're kind of in limbo in terms of like swag. Like us on Facebook. Leave us some reviews on our uh, iTunes page, so people will go, "Oh yeah, those guys are alive." Oh, just one of them. Oh no, but like the other guy's alive. He's just not active on the podcast. Oh, okay. Make sure people know that we still exist because we exist and we're doing this on our own. And again, I'm going to going to make this plea again to the listeners, share our posts on Facebook, you know, retweet our posts on on Twitter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Post about this podcast any chance you get because we're doing this all ourselves. We're doing this only on our website. We're not doing it through MTG Cast. We're not doing it through Star City. We're not doing it through any of the channels we've been on previously. Um, we're doing this just through our own website. Uh, so, you know, word of mouth is really important to us right now. This is DIY, man. And, um, you know, just, just do it, do everything you can to help us uh, get the word out that we're back and we're, uh, we're doing this thing again. Um, Spoiler season's just around the corner. Uh, Finally. Yeah, uh, that's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to uh, to talking spoilers with Steven, and you know we'll have some guests on. Um, I don't know if we're going to be doing a regular schedule, but uh, our next scheduled guest, when we do, is Shaheen Sarani. So uh, we're going to have Shaheen on the podcast for the next episode, and uh, that'll be really awesome. I'm looking forward to talking to him. Uh, hopefully we'll have some more spoilers by then. We'll save our any fur. We mentioned Kiora. For those of you who don't know what it is, look it up. You've got the internet. It's the 90s. So um, but, we'll, but hopefully by the next time we record, there'll be more spoilers to talk about. And we'll be able to um, you know, really get into this. Um, speaking of which, Wizards, start sending us stuff again. We're back. <laughs> 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 and send it to me. <laughs> I'm not in the same state as Joey anymore. But anyway, I'll I'll actually get in touch with their PR <laughs> rather than just kind of yelling at the end of the podcast. Uh, so uh, cool. So that's about 
everything we've got. Like I said, if you want to stick around, listen to us talk about albums, cool. If not, you can shut this thing off right now. And until next time, we are but I've been out on them choppy waves And it's hard to say when it's there begins And that water stops I got feelings I got I've got a really cheesy sign off of you, dude <laughs> What is that? Um, <laughs> so I guess I just uh, ended as uh, um, So <laughs> Hold on, I just wrote it down uh, So for Big Head Joe, this is Joey Pasco, And you've been listening to Yo MDG Taps Where X is always equal to our devotion to you the listeners. <laughs> uh, sorry. I, I apologize for that. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. You had to hear that even. <laughs> oh man. You know, what's also cool is that you don't realize that we actually Alright, so we're back, and um, we're just going to right now go over our top ten albums of the year, because we thought it would be fun uh, as an additional thing for you to get to know Steven a little bit better, to learn about some of his favorite music. And I want to talk about my favorite music. I've been listening to a lot of new music this year. I don't always do that. Like, I looked at my CD collection. I just sorted my CD collection, and it was like... I sorted 2013 together, and then 2012 together, and then the last 20 years. Um, anyway, joining us uh, for this discussion is Joey Pasco. Hey, Joey. Hey, everybody. All right, cool. So we're just gonna what we're gonna do is gonna go through our top tens and um, backwards order ten to one. And you know, these guys want to chime in, they can, and we're just gonna each run our lists down. Um, so uh, I'll, I guess I'll start. Uh, so. My number 10 uh, for 2013 is Waves, Afraid of Heights. Um, These guys are really cool. Uh, I like the fact that they kind of remind me of the 90s. They kind of remind me of the sound of music that me and Joey used to listen to when we were hanging out. Like, if this album came out in 1994, we would have been listening to it and, like, rocking out, like, maybe recording stuff on cassettes in Joey's basement. Yeah. Uh, it sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, you told me about this album. You were like, "Listen to this," and as soon, like within five minutes of listening, I had bought it because it was just obviously uh, reminiscent of the '90s, and it was just perfect. It's got like a, it's weird. Like I feel like parts of the album sound like Weezer esque, but at the same time, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's like they, it's got, it's got a grunge kind of feel too, but it's kind of, it's got a poppiness to it, like Weezer, and I don't know, I, I absolutely love this one. This one's also on my list somewhere. I'll slow roll that one. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine on my list is Pretty and Nice: Golden Rules for Golden People. Now, speaking of albums that someone on this call introduced me to, Stephen uh, introduced me to this album, and. Um, Surprisingly, Stevens introduced me to a lot of albums in the last year. Me and him have kind of been swapping CDs back and forth uh, throughout the year. And uh, this is the only album on my list that came from him, which is interesting. I was just like thinking, I was like, maybe it's because... What are you trying to say here, Joe? Hey, no, I'm not. I'm not. Like, uh, Churches is in my, like, honorable mention, but, um, spoilers, um, 
But I think that what that says is that if there was an album I really liked this year, I bought it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. if I liked it enough, I went out and purchased it. Um, now, here's one pretty and nice that was completely off my radar. You know, I had no idea about it. And, you know, looking at a pile of CDs and Steven's cards, like, yeah, pretty and nice. That's a good one. And I went home and listened to it. And, whoa, man, like, it's just like one of those albums that just makes you go, where are they going with this? It's So this is, and Joey, this is a little bit of a dig into one of your favorite bands. This album reminds me of everything of Montreal wishes it still was. Huh. Because it's just kind of like epic in scope and like this really like fantastical lyricism and like takes a lot of, I don't know, just it just goes in a lot of different directions and it just feels really cool. It kind of reminds me of like the best parts of of Montreal and like the Flaming Lips and like a bunch of different bands kind of all rolled into one. I I can like my comparison uh, because I I have this album. And Joe, you were the one that told me about this as well. So I guess that came from Steven. So thanks, Steven. Uh, <laughs> uh, trickle down. Uh, but yeah, so pretty and nice. Uh, it, it reminds me of, I was going to say, the Flaming Lips and Apollo Sunshine. Uh, yeah, but Apollo Sunshine, right on. So like that's what – like I, it's funny that you – because they don't remind me of, at all of, of Montreal. But I can sort of see what you're saying. But yeah, I'm down with pretty and nice. Yeah, it's a good one. Steven, you got anything? Uh, I'll have to check out Apollo Sunshine. I've never heard of them. <laughs> oh, man. They're really good. One time, um, I went to go see Apples in Stereo, and uh, we showed up super late. We thought we were only there to just see Apples in Stereo, but apparently they were. everything was running late. So we walked in in the middle of Apollo Sunshine set, and they blew Apples in Stereo off the stage. They were so wow. much better live than apples in stereo it was one of those things where it was like wow we're so glad you guys were late oh my god like it was right. this is amazing so um okay anyway uh moving on try to speed it along as best as possible number eight on my list is los campesinos no blues this is my pet band uh if they come out with an album in a year it's gonna be in my top 10 their their lyrics are really dense and really dark in a way but they put dark lyrics over top of like poppy music which i really enjoy i mean anyone who listens to the smiths also enjoys that but uh you know but they're welsh so they kind of sound like that i don't know i know joey's not the biggest fan of them and i don't know if steven has enough anything to say about los campesinos so i i like los campesinos i'm not maybe not the biggest fan but i own three of their albums so I didn't actually realize that. That's funny. Uh, I have Hold On Now, Youngster, uh, and Kindle a Flame in Her Heart, and We Are Beautiful, We Are Doomed. I didn't – Kindle a Flame in Her Heart isn't an album. Sorry. It's just a heart, uh, just a song. Jeez. I have the, the – I'm looking – I'm you know, computer for how many albums I had of theirs. So I have two of their albums in one random track. Kindle a Flame in Her Song is just a heart. <laughs> that's um. exactly what I was trying to say. No, anyway, uh, I like Los Campesinos because they're, they're like poppy and sloppy. Number seven is uh, David Bowie, The Next Day. Return to form, 100% return to form. Um, if you like David Bowie, like at all, if you like any era of David Bowie at all, just buy the album. I'm so serious about this. Like, it's the best David Bowie album. I know if if ours 
like scared you off, please come back. It's so good. It's just right back where David Bowie needs to be. And just for him to release such a relevant album this late into his career is, um, is awesome. My number six album is Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City, which in retrospect, uh, I'm surprised this album fell so far down my list. Um, when this album came out, I was pretty sure it was going to be like the number one or two album of the year. Um, but it's still, I mean, that's not to say it's not a great album. It's just, I guess, kind of a reflection of the strength of the releases that came out this year, you know, um, lots of, uh, lots of good music came out this year. It was a great year for music. Um, I'm, I imagine we'll be talking about that album a little more. So, um, I'm going to move past it. Um, my number five and I, my number five is deaf heaven sunbather. Um, this album's really crazy. (laughs) It's like, Somebody they've described it as shoegaze metal or like it's like the craziest album that I've heard in a while. Like the songs are like ten to twelve minutes long each, um, and it's just this really crazy. I can't even describe it, Stephen. How would you describe this album? If anyone's ever heard of like liturgy, it's kind of like kind of hipster metal um, because it's not like super dark. Uh, It's just I don't know how they. uh do metal without making it sound um right there's like major <laughs> yeah it's in a major it's metal in a major key and yeah uh, basically and and uh, yeah because i remember uh when i played i played it for uh ryan germore <laughs> i hope he listens to this um i played that for him and it wasn't his thing but he was like yeah i i, I can see why that's good this is in a major key what's going on like He's a music teacher, so that's of course the first thing he notices. Um, yeah, but, uh, the Deaf Heaven, um, it'd probably be in my, I guess, honorable mentions. They had the unfortunate like sequencing where the first song is like by far the best song on the album. And it's like one of my favorite songs of the year, which is Dreamhouse, and then the rest of the album just can't be that good. So it just feels a lot more disappointing than the album actually is. But right. it's still probably like one of my favorite albums of the year, but not it's not on my list, but. Uh, yeah, D- Dreamhouse, the first uh, track off that's just like fantastic, and I I hate metal. Like your description of it, as far as like being metal shoegazy, doesn't pique my interest at all. But the major key part of it, now I'm curious. <laughs> like, now I want I want to check it out. But as far as like front loading albums, I notice so many bands do that, and it's so disappointing. And I mean, maybe it's not the bands. I don't know who always you know whose opinions go into these decisions. But as far as uh, front loading the albums with the best tracks, like I kind of get it, but it's so disappointing when you're like, this is really good. And you, you listen to like the first track and the second track and the third track, and like, this is good. I'm going to buy it. And you buy it. And then you're like, the fourth track's pretty good. And then the fifth track sucks. And then you're this, everything after it's awful. And you're like, why didn't I just, like, I wish I would have known that the rest of the album was just bland. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah there are a few albums like that this year where like after the second or third track, I'm like, Oh man, it's probably gonna be like my favorite album of the year. And then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> falls apart so like spread them out like you have three good you can just have three good songs and if you spread them out then it seems like the album's so much better <laughs> you're like one five and ten there's the the three best songs yep. and we'll just fill the rest in, in the middle yeah i wish i could name three songs on side b of core by stone double pilots but i can't uh... <laughs> yeah that's a good 2013 reference <laughs> um <laughs> go ahead 
All right. So number four uh, for me is Kanye West Yeezus. Um, this album's a bit of a game changer. It was a bit nuts. Uh, I, I liked the fact that the packaging was so worthless that I just bought it online as soon as it came out. Cause I was like, Oh, well I don't need that. So I don't need a physical copy of that. So it was actually like convinced me to just buy it online, which got him more sales faster. Um, <laughs> you think he did that on purpose? What? You think that was like, uh, like that was on purpose? Like, I don't that was, know. I don't try to incentivize people to do that. I don't know. I just think it was a, I mean, I, I, I think that the, the, you know, the minimalist thing was intentional. I don't think it was like necessarily a marketing ploy, but that's totally how it worked on me was I looked at it and I looked at it and I was like, man, I really want to own this CD, but I don't need to own that. I'm just going to buy it online. (laughs) I feel like he did kind of like the same thing with his, uh, with his kid by naming, excuse me, by naming it a Northwest. Like they, they, they made like the first person that's like completely ungoogleable because it's just like a direction. (laughs) <laughs> so I know that now that I think was pretty intentional and brilliant, I might add. I thought this album was just one of the weirdest hip hop albums I've heard in a long time. So number three I have Savages Silenced Yourself. It's a four piece uh band out of England. Um they're just one of the most awesome sounding bands i've heard in a long time this is their debut album um i've heard of them but i haven't listened to the music yet so i'm writing it down to check it out it reminds me of like early Susie and the banshees um it reminds me of like joy division is a bit of a stretch but kind of the feel like so listening to this album i i was like okay, now I kind of get how people felt when they heard Joy Division when they came out. Like, it just feels like such an important record. Like, um, it, it, I don't know. And, and to see them live, like, they've done some performances on, like, whatever, late night shows. And they're just a tight band. They're just one of the best bands um, that I've heard in a long time. And, uh I'm excited to see what, you know, what's to come with them They're And they're very like, they're very in control of their artistic direction, which I really like. So like, um, they won't let you like, they don't allow phones in their concerts. Like they don't allow you to like take pictures. You know what I mean? Like, wow. I actually really like that. <laughs> so, I mean, I just think it's really exciting. Yeah. I'm going to um, check them out. Definitely do. Um, number two is, uh, ice age. You're nothing. Um, Ice Age is a four-piece like punk band from Sweden. I think they're from Sweden. And uh, Iggy Pop said they're the first band he's heard in a long time that feels dangerous. Hmm. If Iggy Pop says that about a band, and these guys are like twenty, like <laughs> they're like twenty-year-olds, and um, like well, Kurt uh, Courtney Love said the Hives were the next Nirvana. So you know you gotta <laughs> watch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> or she um, said something along those lines, like if the hives had been around when Nirvana was uh, was around, it was like Nirvana wouldn't like the hives would have become what Nirvana was, and it's kind of like, mm, no, nah, not really. I mean, the hives are cool and everything, but right, but that Nirvana. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, 
yeah, Ice Age is just really, really great band. Um, the the lyrics are dark, and it's you know the same thing with Ice Age and Savages this year is like it feels to me like like Joy Division, like in terms of like it's something special, like it's something that is like it just you can't it doesn't come around that often, and uh, I want to see them live so bad. Um, and then my number one is Arcade Fire Reflector, um, which I'm just shocked that so many other lists haven't just put this as a number one. Uh, like uh, Pitchfork's list had had Vampire Weekend as number one, and I was just kind of like, okay, I mean, it's a good album, but you know Arcade Fire had an album this year, right, guys? Like, um... <laughs> I think what happened with uh, the Arcade Fire album, um, and this is probably the same because uh, they're on my list, but they're, they're not number one. Is probably just because it came out kind of so late in the year, right, uh, right? So there's like kind of like a bias against that because you can. There, there's only so many times you can probably have listened to it, right? By the end of the year, so I bet it. I bet if it came out like in March, it'd probably be right a lot higher in a lot of people's lists. Yeah, yeah and that's too. a that's a good point, and that was something I wanted to mention. Even like with my list, uh, when I'm going through things that I've listened to in 2013. I'm trying I'm trying not to be biased by the stuff I'm listening to now because it just came out, you know, a month ago or I just got it a month ago. Right. And so it's like I I'm into this a lot right now because it's new to me. Does the is or is this one of my favorite albums of the year or is it, you know, if it had come out in March would it have even been on the list? That kind of thing. So right. it's it's tough like I'm going back and listening to everything I had like you know, uh, well, I can I can get into that once once you're done discussing. Right, uh, I know. Jo- fire. Joey's got to get off here soon because he's got to go cut up vegetables. Yeah, um, I'm having people over, and they're supposed to be here any time after noon, and it is 12:04, and I still have to do things, cut up vegetables, yes, and take a shower. Yes, stuff, yes. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, and, I, fire. And, I've, and I'll talk more about. We'll let you, we'll let you do your thing and get off here, and then me and Steven will wrap up. But um, yeah, I've I've got something to say about albums that come out late in the year like beyonce's new album may have been in my top 10 if i didn't just hear it for the first time this week but um i've got another i've got one like that too cool all right well uh joey let's let's let you go through your list so you can get the heck off here all right and we'll be able to move faster because some of these overlap with yours so right right i figured as much i figured mine would take longer because mine uh is the first yeah Uh, so number 10, nice segue, Joe, uh, to, um, to mention Arcade Fire because that's my number 10. Okay. (laughs) Uh, actually it fell off my list because I have 15 and I feel like I didn't get that into this album as I have past Arcade Fire albums, but it's awesome and it's Arcade Fire and it's on my list. So number 10, that's, that's where I've got it. Uh, just ahead of it, pretty enough. We've already talked about that. Um, I really, I, I dug that album a lot when Joe mentioned it to me and, uh, it's, it's it's cool. You should check it out if you haven't heard of it. I didn't actually realize that that, uh, that you did check that out. It's funny. Yeah. I forgot. No, I I think immediately, like as soon as you texted or as soon as you sent it to me, I texted you and I was like, I bought it. Oh, <laughs> I, I knew. I remember that with waves. I remember that with churches. But um... uh, yeah, pretty and nice was earlier in the year. Well, in the middle of the year. Sometime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my number eight is Tegan and Sarah Heartthrob. They've been around for a while, but I never really listened to them. They. When I heard their music, it sounded pretty good, but I never explored it further. And uh, this album, I think, closer 
was the Starbucks pick of the week. And I have the Starbucks app and it just gives me free downloads of their <laughs> pick of the week right from the app. So right, like right. so many albums I, I hear of through the Starbucks pick of the week. So, um, <laughs> so I, I heard that song and it was so awesome. I'm like, I need to hear the rest of this album. It's very, it's got a very eighties feel. It feels like Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I absolutely loved it. And uh, uh, if you're into that kind of kind of sound, I really like I, I think a lot of my list has an 80s feel to it. Um, sure, it's sure. going to be a, a theme with my list. Um, <laughs> um, just about that album. Uh, when I worked at Barnes and Noble, um, it was on our in-store play. So yeah. um, so I listened to it a lot when it came out. And I actually did really, really like it. Um, again, like I associate it with working. So it's probably why <laughs> I never actually purchased it. Although, I mean, like I got a lot of good albums out of working at Barnes & Noble, believe it or not. When I worked at Barnes & Noble the first time from 2003 to 2004, it was like Nora Jones and like all this garbage music that they would play not to say Nora Jones is absolute garbage but it was like just like this fluff and then like when I started back there I'm like wait a minute why is Beach House on our in-store play why is this you know what I mean it was like yeah. man, I'm like discovering good music at work either I'm getting old or they're getting smart you know it's probably <laughs> both but right. um but the Tegan and Sarah album's great it really is I, I actually forgot got that it came out this year it probably wouldn't be on my list but i'm just saying like so many things 2012 to 2013 i listened to in store it blends together as one year so right. like i kept having to be like when did beach house come out when did alabama shakes come out like i had to keep like checking yeah. those albums to see when they came out because i just remember them as barnes and noble uh steven did you have anything you wanted to mention or anything? uh no they're they're a band i've always liked i actually didn't haven't heard <clears throat> have not heard the their new one actually so i'll have to yeah, check, check that out, out. That was the other thing I wanted to mention. Is there a band I did not like? <laughs> oh, wow. I actively disliked Tegan and Sarah until I heard this new album. And, and because there was so other other else good to listen to. That's not a real <laughs> sentence. Since there was so much else. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my number seven, uh, referenced earlier in the podcast, of Montreal's album, Lousy with Sylvian Briar. Um, of Montreal, I feel like, is a band. I, I love them for the fact that they keep changing. Uh, I, I think he actually, Kevin Barnes, the, the lead singer-songwriter, um, actually re wrote and recorded this album. Or He usually writes the albums alone. But in this case, he wrote the album sort of alone and recorded it with a completely different band than he normally does. So it, it's like really – it's very Nine Inch Nails-esque if you know what I mean as far as like of Montreal really is Kevin Barnes. And the peripherals, uh, musicians I guess are interchangeable depending on what the sound he wants to go for. Um, he wrote this – he went to San Francisco and kind of wrote it in a very uh, 60s kind of mood and it's got, it's got the quirkiness – uh, especially lyrically of of typical of Montreal stuff uh but it also has a, a lot of different styles kind of incorporated into it um and it's got a, a warmth that a lot of of Montreal albums don't have so i, I really like that one that's cuz he recorded it analog right yeah like yeah he recorded it analog too so like i think he just really uh, he he tends to just do that like this next album i'm going to do this it's like a director going i'm going to make a horror movie and now i'm going to make a romantic comedy next time and you know or something like that like it just completely different genres uh influencing each album so i i like that and it allows me to sort of explore different genres of music while sticking 
with the same band, which is, I guess, kind of interesting. Well, now he needs to put out a rap album, so you'll open your mind in that. <laughs> we'll, <way>. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see when that'll happen. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, so, um, my number six uh, is Sky Ferreira, "Nighttime My Time." Um, I just got into this about a month and a half ago, uh, or right around then, and it's again, it's got a kind of an '80s feel, but it also has something of the nineties in it. I feel like, um, check it out. It's pretty poppy, pretty easy to get into. It's one I actually want to check out. I haven't had a chance it's, to yet. You know, I've seen the cover. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really, yeah, <laughs> it's really good. It, it almost made my list. Uh, it's a really good album. Uh, number five, Gregory Allen Isaacov, the weatherman. This is a, uh, this is kind of like a folk album, which is not my typical style of music to listen to, but I really, I was going through my list and I, it was one of those ones where I totally forgot about it, that it was, that I had it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I got this album in the summer and I hit it. And in three seconds, I'm like, oh my gosh, it totally brings me back to summertime. It's just, maybe it's just because that's when I was listening to it, but I, I absolutely love this album. Summertime, um, loving, loving in the summertime. Yes, exactly that. Number four. <laughs> Number four, also Breaking referenced show. earlier. Sorry, break uh, the show. Look it up. Churches, the bones of what you believe. Yes. Uh, we've, we've all, I think, mentioned it, or at least Joe mentioned it a couple times. Uh, this album is one of those you listen to it a few seconds of the a few songs and you're sold. At least yeah. that's what happened to me. Yeah, I, 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 like, we were all playtesting. Uh, hey, Magic huh? Talk. We were all playtesting. Um, for uh, something I don't remember at this point, and uh, I sent Joey a text. I'm like, dude, you need to check out this Church's album. And he was like, listening now. And then two minutes later, he wrote, "Snap buying." Like I was yep. just like, all right. <laughs> I just like sometimes, like sometimes when you know, you know, you know. I was like, and Joey needs this album, so here you go. Yeah, very very cool. Um, I actually saw them on uh, later with Jules Holland, uh, like a week after I got the album. Which yeah. Is- so they were on there with like the Pixies and Janelle Monet, which was just like the huh. best lineup for the show ever. Wow. I mean, then again, I don't watch the show often enough to know whether they beat that very often. But that was that was a pretty unbeatable lineup. Um, pretty good. Um, you know, and and just to mention real quick about churches, I feel, and and I know I'm probably alone because a lot of people like them both, but I'm firmly in the churches camp uh, when it comes to churches versus Haim. Um, because they both, the Haim album and the Churches album both came out around the same time. They both have very similar sounds. And I feel like, I, I just feel bad for Haim because they put their album out at the same time as Churches. And I feel like the Churches album is such a better album. So it's like, when you want to like, listen to that kind of sounding album, like I'm going to go to the Churches album every time. And so, like, I haven't listened to the Haim enough because every time I'm like, oh, I want to hear something that sounds like that. I'm like, churches, you know, and I don't go towards the Haim album, which I'm sure is also a great – I know it's a great album. I'm not sitting there saying it's not. Um, but it's just one of those things where I just keep gravitating towards the churches album and leaving the Haim album behind. Um, Interesting you say that. What is, <laughs> what is the next on your list? Waves, Afraid of Heights. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> Uh, we've talked about this. Waves is awesome. I have it all the way up to number three. Uh, number two, Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City. Uh oh, so, where are we going uh, with this? <laughs> <laughs> number one, Haim Days Are Gone. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, when as soon as you told me to make a list, I started uh, trying to write everything down. But Haim was like at the top of my <laughs> top of my. Uh, I don't want to say top of my list, but top of my head. I guess they they just kept popping into my head. I really really love this album. I do like it better than Churches. About you know four times, not four times better, but four places on a list. Um, <laughs> uh, I it does have a similar sound, and obviously, if I like Churches, and that then it's likely that I'll like Haim and vice versa. Right. Um, Churches also reminded me, by the way, of Purity Ring, if you've yeah. uh, ever listened yeah. to them. Totally. Uh, so if you if you like Haim or Churches, you should check out Purity Ring and, you know, all that. Check check wear, out the ones you don't know about. But don't wear one. No, no, no. Don't. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I – um, I, Haim really has never moved out of the top slot. Every time I, I was sitting here rearranging the list, Vampire Weekend may have been as low as number five or six, but it moved up to number two the more I thought about it. Haim just really just stuck up at number one uh, for the entire time as like, over the last week when I kept revisiting the list. I think it's an awesome album, and I think uh, – Well, you know, I, I've always said that anyone's I – will, I will re-listen to anybody's number one album. I've been saying yeah. that since like I was in like seventh grade. Like if somebody tells me Live is my favorite band, I'm like, well, maybe I should go back and listen to Live right. again. You know what I mean? Like, And I do that. Like I've always done that. I've always been like if it's your favorite, I'll at least respect it with another listen. You know what I mean? Like um, – Nickelback is like my favorite band ever. <laughs> Maybe I'm missing something. I'll go replay it. You know what I mean? Like I'll do that. I would. Like I'll honestly. It gotta be somebody's favorite band. They sell a lot of albums. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I figure they're probably in like a lot of people's top three, but I can't imagine them being anyone's favorite. Um, a lot of top threes. So that's how they get their money. Um, but no, and I and I will like I'll re-listen to the Haim album. I I love the fact that that's how that because we didn't share these lists beforehand or even talk. Right. It. I love that. That's really funny. Um, so I, I, this is kind of goes with my theory, or it's not really a theory, but what I was talking about earlier about is this my number one because this is the album I love right now. Because when I was in Dallas for your wedding, Joe, mm-hmm. I said I've heard of Haim, but I've never listened to them, and that was <laughs> November tenth, right? So wow. here we are, a month and a half later, and I'm like, they're my top album of the year. So funny. well, it's a good album. I mean, it is. It is. Um, Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, you know, like, my list has a lot of different styles of music, and, like, yours has a couple, but it's a lot of that, there's a theme. You know what I mean? Like, your list definitely has, like, a theme Mm sound-wise, which is why Churches and Haim probably make your list. You know what I mean? Right. But, like, for me, I was, like, you know, had to pick one if I wanted one of them in my list and churches made the cut for me, but it didn't because it's in my honorable mention. Um, but, uh, sorry. Um, Oh, I don't know. Steven, did you have anything to add about him? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, that was actually the last cut, um, from the list was Haim. Um, I think if I was making the list actually around when the album came out, it'd probably be on there, but Mm. that was one where I listened to it once or twice. And then I just haven't listened to it since I'll probably have to give it another listen. But of any of the bands that are going for like a, an eighties feel, I guess this year, Right, um, they were they're they're my favorite. So I, I wanted to mention two more albums. Um, see, the thing about making an, a 2013 list is if you buy an album in January 2013 that came out in December 2012, you can't put it on the list. Right, uh, I, I have a feeling Beyonce is going to be that way for me next year. Right. So uh, so there. So last year, 
I guess I don't know if it came out in December, but it came out I believe late last year. But I got into it in January. Uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, the heist was just an amazing album and that would have that to me was is a january album (laughs) because that's when i got into it so i'm like why isn't this because i'm sorting by my itunes i'm like where's macklemore oh it's 2012 oh you know know what's sad is when i went to sort my list none of mine had years oh that's pretty sad like, (laughs) like for some reason like itunes had none of my year information for like my entire library, I was like, "Oh, seriously!" <laughs> yeah, luckily, the only one that that happened to for me was Arcade Fire Reflector, and I was very aware of that one already. Right. So I, I just added the year into it. But um, and then one more honorable mention, which is kind of falls into the Beyonce camp that you mentioned, Joe, where I just started listening to this really yesterday and and Friday, mm-hmm. um, is uh, I believe the artist's name is pronounced rye it's r-h-y-e yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and woman is the album um this isn't this is another departure for me from my typical kind of music that i listen to but it's very similar to sade um and sade i'm sorry sade see i told you it's not my normal type of music i can't even pronounce the artist's name sade sade Um, sade (laughs) hoin gotta listen to that sade album hoin yeah so and that, yeah. So anyway, it's uh kiss of life, hoin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, check that out if you're into Sade, uh, because it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, the album is called Woman. The artist is Rye R H Y E, unless it's Rye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, but, uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you guys heard that at all? I listened to it once, and uh, I actually don't remember it. So I'm like making a list of like albums that I need to go yeah. back and listen to. So <laughs> that's that's now on there. Obviously, cool. I'm going to listen to this episode when you guys post it, and I'll hear Steven's list since I have to go right now. But I'll, I'll be making a list uh, based on what what Steven has. Well, at, least, at least at uh, least at least he won't have to hear you like scoff audibly. <laughs> Another hip hop album. <laughs> oh, and just real quick because because Joey. This is a little more relevant to you than it is to Steven because you know Tim. You've known Tim a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim's top five from five to one. He didn't want to do a ten. Was uh, Young Dreams, which is on my honorable mention. Foles, Holy Fire, uh, Local Natives, Hummingbird, um, Ghostface, Twelve Reasons to Die at number two, and Danny Brown Old number one. Nice. I was like, man, and like for Tim to have two hip hop albums in his top five is like kind of surprising. Like he, like Joey, you probably listen to about zero to 1% of hip hop. Like he, Tim listens to like five to 10%. You know what I mean? So it's like one of those things where like for him to have number one and number two, um, be hip hop albums is kind of like, man, that's, that's pretty sweet. Like, and, and the Ghostface album, I just bought it this week. So I haven't had a chance to really absorb it. It probably would have made my top 10 if I had more time because I'm a big Ghostface fan, cocaine biceps, all that. So that's Tim's top five there. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of, I mean, I haven't heard any of those albums and haven't heard of several of those artists. So Young <laughs> like, Dreams album, Joey, you would really like, you've heard Fools. Right. You've never yeah, heard that's of, the one I've heard of, Young Dreams. Local Natives? Mm, I don't think so, oh, maybe. Gotta Hear Hummingbird, that's a great album. All right, I'm writing it down. And then Young Dreams, I don't, In Between, or Between Places, I think is what it's called. 
mm. album, uh, Young Dreams, that's a really, really good one, too. Uh, yeah. Like, both of those were ones that were on my list at one point when I was thinking back to albums that came out this year. Because they both came out, like, early in the year, um, I think. Um, but they just didn't make the cut for whatever reason. Because my top ten was just the ten albums that, when I heard them, made me go, oh, my God. Like, I don't know. Because I had a lot of those moments this year with albums and so i tried to keep it more towards the albums that like really blew me away this year yeah and that makes sense uh but anyway so cool. so i i've got to go yeah you I go cut up vegetables and welcome guests and um i want to apologize to pearl jam for having an album that came out in 2013 that did not make my top 10 list uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it's in my top 15 i haven't actually heard it yet but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's just not, t- I, I guess maybe it's, it's more of the same. So I'm like, Pearl Jam's awesome, but this is the stuff I'm excited about. So, uh, anyway, yeah. Thanks for having me on as a guest. Oh yeah. It's great to have you as a guest on your MTG taps. Joey, <laughs> of your MTG taps. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Have fun, uh, reviewing the rest of your albums and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be listening. I'll, when, I'll, when I'll, I'll scoff at, I'll scoff at Steven for you. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks guys. See you guys later. Take it easy, man. All right. So, uh, Joey's gone and now it's me and Steven and, uh, man, doesn't that sound ominous? No, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) foreshadowing. So cool. All right. So we've discussed mine. We've discussed Joey's. Let's get right into yours, Steven. All right. Yeah. I'll just, uh, run through it. Um, Number 10, I had pretty nice uh, Golden Rose for Golden People. I already talked about that one. It's uh, just an album that there's a lot of bands where it's like you listen to the album and you can barely tell the difference, whether it's, you know, from from one song to the next. This was like definitely not the case with uh, Pretty and Nice. Each one kind of just went in a completely different direction. Um, and yeah, I just, it was it sounded very fresh. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, it, it, right or each song felt like an event, you know, and it was like, they were they, like epic scope, even though they're not like long songs. Like that's the thing. Like somebody, yeah, they're like two or three minutes long. Like tool takes a three minute idea and makes it a 12 minute drone. You know what I mean? But like, like they took like a 12 minute idea and made it a pop song, uh, which is great. And it doesn't make it like cluttered or anything either, you know, like, yeah, where that could easily happen. Um, oh, Wow. I just okay. I just finally looked at your uh, Skype icon. That is, oh my goodness, that is quadruple burning tree emissary into scavenging ooze, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was looking for something to use. I couldn't remember. Uh, yeah, that actually did happen though. They, I got the concession. <laughs> <laughs> and they have well, they have a temple of silence out yep, there. Tapped. <laughs> silence. Which one is no? Uh, I can't remember. Temple of deceit. The blue black. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good icon. It's a. Yeah, that's, you know, that's just. It's where bad. I'm at. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad you can't make like that. Your icon actually on Moto, like. <laughs> Like this is this is this is what I do. I mean, what do y'all do? I mean, this is what I do. This is how you play magic, right? <laughs> no, but um. Anyway, okay, cool. So yeah, pretty and nice. Okay. Great. Yeah, out. number nine. Um, I've got uh, John Wizards. Uh, self uh, same same name uh, for the album. John Wizards. John Wizards. Um, they're like a uh, South African band. Um, and it sounds a lot uh lot kind of like um 
Vampire Weekend's first album since they they had a lot of kind of like uh, African influence. Yeah. Uh, in that in that album, except they you really know these did. guys aren't really singing about life at uh, Columbia. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, it was just a really different album. There's, I I haven't really heard anything that sounds like it. Uh, e- even that uh, Vampire Weekend album. It's 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 got like some more electronic elements to it. It's just uh, it's it's hard to compare to most anything. So that 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 alone pretty much made the list. And I just I really like listening to it. I've listened to it a lot, and uh, I guess it didn't get a lot of attention. Or um, but well, if you can't a, find it on CD, it probably gets yeah, a lot true. of attention. But that's cool, though. I mean, uh, did you? I mean, how did you? How did you find that album? Was you were you in like a Spotify hole where you're like, yeah, basically, like yeah, yeah, I clicked on. I can't remember what the original artist was, but it's like, oh, similar artist. Click on this one. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And then it said similar artist. Click on this one. And then, uh, yeah, I cannot remember how uh, I eventually wound up on them, but uh, yeah. It's, it's a really good album. Definitely recommend it. Number eight is uh, Classics, um, Hanging Gardens. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much the Daft Punk album I wanted <laughs> this year. Because um, right. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Random Access Memories. Um, and this was a lot more evocative of what they'd done you know, previously that I liked. And it had some new stuff in it. And uh, very kind of like electro poppy but still definitely like a house album it was really good and so uh number seven is actually the arcade fire reflector um that's one of the problems where uh it it's all it's an album i've only gotten to listen to a couple times um but um i just really enjoyed it it's basically uh it kind of almost sounded like another quasi lcd sound system album just about uh since they had uh james murphy producing it um and uh, LCD Sound System is probably one of my favorite bands ever, so um, I really enjoyed the album. Uh, it's just one I just didn't get 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 to listen to enough to move it uh, move it any higher. But I bet you know you ask me next year. Number six is uh, Medicine. Uh, the album's uh, To the Happy Few. Um, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, they're another sh- kind of shoegaze band that's been around forever. Um, which uh, I actually did not listen to the My Bloody Valentine album that came out this year neither have i (laughs) this might be uh taking up that slot had i listened to it um (laughs) because they're kind of they're very similar sounds yeah Um, that was the one you were playing in the car like a couple weeks ago i think yeah yeah that's a really good album yeah yeah absolutely um but yeah that's on my list i definitely need to somehow acquire and listen to the because they're not on spotify and (laughs) they're not uh at the local uh record store so i was just like i guess i could get on amazon just order the cd yeah, it's like I went on. I went when I went to Baltimore in June. They had a physical copy of the My Bloody Valentine, but it was like twenty four dollars because of for the their, CD. Yeah, because of huh. their distribution method was so like clunky. But that's like kind of what they wanted, you know. I don't know. Like they again, they wanted control of how their music is listened to, which is cool. I respect that. Uh, yeah. So number five was uh, the Bent Shapes. Um, feels weird. That one also had the problem where they're best song by a mile was the first track and then uh i even want to say that the second song no it was their third song was also like the second best track on the album but uh uh, behead yourself that was a really that was one of my favorite songs probably of the year yeah um it's just a kind of like pop punk it's very simplistic it's uh i don't don't know what a good analog to them would be but uh that was one that i just had it on repeat probably for like a week in my car um enjoyed the hell out of it so uh, that is number five um and it was able to actually overcome just even though the best songs uh the first one um it still wasn't it didn't manage to be a disappointment 
Uh, number four, kind of already talked about that one, but it's it's Kanye West, uh, Yeezus. Mm-hmm. I've, I yeah, I really do think it sounds doesn't sound like any other hip hop album before it. Uh, it's just not we. It's it's just I, I just enjoyed. Uh, I, I thought New Slaves was probably one of my favorite songs of the year. Um, I'm in it. There was just a lot of amazing songs on there, and uh, I don't I don't know how he keeps. Uh, he he managed to shirk the uh, the curse of uh, the Kardashian and is still putting out artistically significant uh, works uh, despite it. It's just really like a game changer in terms of like what can be done in a genre of music. You know what I mean? Like like how yeah. how much you can explore that genre because it's not like he doesn't have some bangers on there. It's not like it's not like it's just like this weird electronic album or something. It's not like he went completely off base from, you know, from hip hop. It's not like he like departed his genre of music that he's working on, but he took so much and added it to hip hop. You know what I mean? Like like I mean, you could say that about that's a blanket statement about Kanye West of the past 10 years that he's added yeah. so much to hip hop. Period. Like, well, and I you know my favorite part is it has my all-time favorite uh, track list, or I don't know what that'd be called, the track title. If you look on like the album or the liner notes or whatever, uh, I Am a God, and then by Kanye West, comma, God. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like it's actually like like he gave a track credit to God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh wow, Kanye! Like every other every other track is Kanye West, Kanye West, Kanye West. But this one is a joint collaboration between Kanye West, comma, and God. You know, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Kanye's like shot himself in the foot so much uh, with his like very obvious ego. I don't think it's undeserving. I think he deserves to have a big ego because he is that talented. But like, if he would have started, like, if his career started with this album and he would have just shut up. Like, I feel like people would be giving this album the respect it deserves. Like, I mean the general public, not just like critics, because critics are obviously giving this album all the praise that it deserves, Yeah, you know, but like, I feel like people are kind of like wary of Kanye West because he just comes out and says things like I'm the next Bill Gates. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. He doesn't, he just does not know how to be a regular person. Like I saw him on, Conan O'Brien and like one minute into the interview he's just like about to get up and, and Conan's like what are you doing he's like oh I have to I have to go I have to go pee and he's like no we we're, we're doing an interview there'll be there'll be time for that after the interview you just wanted to like oh, I, I, you know I'm on Conan O'Brien but you know if I need to go to the bathroom that's uh yeah I'll just get up and excuse myself there was um, another uh in the same vein with him um there was uh he was uh, I don't want to spoil oh I'm gonna spoil something here Okay, I'm going to spoil it. I'm sorry. Uh, spoiler alert uh, if anyone's interested in current movies that are out. Um, he has a cameo in Anchorman 2. And um, on set, uh, when they were filming, he had um, he was playing Yeezus for people, for the crew and for the cast and everything before it came out, you know, he was hmm. playing it for people over like their PA system or whatever they had. And, um, and then like they turned it off so they could film. And he was kind of like, yo, what are you guys doing? Like, he was, <laughs> like, like, it's like not even his movie. He's got a cameo and he's like, m- like almost getting mad that like they turned off him bumping his album in the middle of like their 
million dollar recording a filming day you know what i mean like yeah that's i think that's the the probably the craziest thing about kanye it's just that uh, most artists the less they relate to like you know when they're a regular person generally their artistic output falls off but that is just not uh not happened with him so i don't know how he's been able to do that <laughs> do you ever see that meme of kanye like he's got a, he's at a basketball game he's got a wad of money in his hand and he's just like hard staring at a one dollar bill in this wad of hundreds. like i think i saw a picture like, of that yeah what is this like <laughs> it's like one of the funniest pictures i mean it's like a wad of hundreds and he's looking at this one like i don't even know what you are where are your zeros like what is this is this confederate money I don't, i've never seen this one before <laughs> i just thought it was really good um so okay uh so number three sorry let's number three uh danny this. brown old yeah uh, uh, i'm biased uh, i really like danny brown i've been a fan for the last couple albums uh his mixtape triple x was one of my favorite or second favorite albums when that came out and this is his best album and so it's that high on my list because i just uh really enjoyed it i, I love his uh um the production's fantastic, and the the just the way that it works thematically, he actually divided it into like even though it's all you know on a CD to right. uh, like side A and side B, uh, with side A being you know all the dark stuff about his just horrific upbringing in uh, Detroit, and then side B's the you know I've got money, I'm a rapper, let's party uh, part of it, and it's 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 really good. It is a good album. I mean, I, I'm. I'm not biased, you know, and I haven't listened to it as much as like you or Tim have. So I'd probably have it on my list if I had listened to it more. It's tough for me sometimes with like newer artists, like, or at least artists that I'm new to Cause I, I, I am kind of that old man that listens to the same five albums over and over again. You know, mm -hmm. like, like I always tell people when it comes to movies, um, people will be like, oh, have you seen this movie? I'm like, no. Like, you've never seen this movie? <laughs> and I go, look, there are a lot of movies. If I saw every movie once, I probably would have gotten to that one. But I watched the same five movies over and over again. You know, like, we're at work, <laughs> and we've got, like, you know, a dozen Christmas movies to play in our in our store for Christmas. And some of them are movies I love. But all I want to do is put on Santa with Muscles over and over and over Santa again. Santa with Muscles? Starring Hulk Hogan as a mall Santa. <laughs> um... Okay. <laughs> so that's like the only movie I put in. Like I put that movie in over and over and it's, you know, and people get sick of it. They're like, we've watched this movie eight times today. I'm like, so what? Let's watch it again. Hit play. Yeah. Number two is, uh, the waves, uh, afraid of heights. Um, that one also came out a lot earlier in the year. So it's probably the album I've gotten to listen to, um, the most. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, we've already talked about, it, but I, I think it was just fantastic. Um, uh, it was kind of a, I don't know if it's. I think yeah. I think it's my favorite uh, Waves album to date. I, I thought their last one was kind of disappointing. Um, um, the one between this one and King of the Beach. Um, I don't think I've ever listened to any of their albums uh, except for this one, which is funny. This one's this one's a, a bit different, but uh, it's yeah. We've 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 talked this one into the ground, but that was yeah. It's my second favorite album of the year, uh, and at some point it was definitely number one. Um, and it's easily the one I've listened to the most, and so. The number one. Um, I'm just kidding. Ow, I hurt my leg. And uh, it's uh, Chance the Rapper, Acid Rap. Ah. Uh, it's uh, I don't think that's actually an album that came out. I think it's just like a mixtape you can just download. 
Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I think, still in high school or just got out of it or something. He's, like, in, from Chicago and um, had a ton of guests. And um, it's just fantastic. I thought uh, I loved – there wasn't – it was one of the few albums where there wasn't one song that I would like, ah, I could skip this one, take it or leave it. So but I, I just, I think it's the album that I actually enjoy listening to the most. Like it's like a guilty pleasure and the lyrics are actually really good. Um, and the production's fantastic. So that's pretty much about as much as you could ask for on a, on a hip hop album. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite album this year. That, you just reminded me, man. Like I got to, first of all, cause you reminded me cause you said free download. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't heard that yet, uh, the Chance the Rapper. Um, I want to. I really want to hear it. Um, I'll probably go download it after this. Um, but an album that I completely forgot about that probably is on my top ten is uh, the Run the Jewels album. Yeah, that was really oh, close. Damn, I just so good. To, I just re-listened to that like this week and going and was going. Oh man, that's definitely in my top ten. That's definitely in my top ten because it's just so good. Killer Mike is one of the like most underrated MCs I think you know ever. One of the one of the you think of underrated MCs. You've got Killer Mike. Yeah. Um, you've got like early early Freeway. No, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know about anything he's done recently, but man, um, like Freeway's like like first like couple like tracks he was on was so good. Um, well, oh, he was on the first Kanye West album too. He was on Two Words. Hmm. Um, oh, that was, uh, Freeway was so good. But anyway, um, and then LP is someone that I'm not really a big fan of, and it's not. Oh, that's I'm the opposite. I I loved his last two albums. Yeah, and I I probably would see it's a lot of like i'm not really a huge fan a lot of a lot of like the hipster rap kind of stuff which he kind of rides the line you know um i I mean i think he's the almost the epitome of it i mean but he did an album with killer mike i mean like i don't know uh he's no aesop rock is the epitome of it he did an album with kimia dawson but anyway so that, that lp and killer mike like I feel like those two guys really fed off each other. It's like if you've ever seen like a uh, like a wrestling match where the guys are slapping each other in the face to get each other <laughs> pumped up. Like they'll just like get each other fired up. It's like just like slap, slap. Like those trade slaps like as hard as they can, um, and it'll just get really they'll get real fired up. It's just kind of how I f- envision them like feeding off each other in the studio. Like they're just like. Oh, so good. I'm like already looking at my list going, what can I take off my list and replace it with that? <laughs> well, <laughs> too late now. I've made my list. I'm sticking with it. But um, yeah, I feel I feel like the run the jewels is just basically killer Mike's like, I don't want to make another album that's not produced by LP again. So <laughs> it's like whatever it takes. Well, you know, we'll just start a new band. This is what I do now. <laughs> yeah. I rap to LP beats. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, it's great. I mean, they sound great, and like, and in the spirit of being open-minded, how much I like that album makes me want to re-listen to LP. You know what I mean? It makes me <laughs> want to go back and go, all right, well, let's listen to some LP stuff and see if there's anything else he's done that I actually dig, and I'm not just being snooty about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I mean, I guess. Uh... That's definitely, I guess, in our honorable mentions. Is there uh, any other albums you thought were uh, noteworthy but uh, didn't quite make the list? Well, we've mentioned Churches. We've mentioned mm-hmm. Young Dreams. Um, 
uh, Baths Obsidian. Um, it's an album that I just recently purchased, but when I listened to it, I listened to it three times <laughs> before I before I listened to anything else. Uh, and it was it was probably my number eleven, and I think it might be a little biased based on, um, you know, how soon ago, like how like recently I bought it, but it is really good. It's just. It's electronic. It's really like lyrically dark, and the backstory yeah. about it is really interesting. And he I was listened, like in quarantine or something. He had some like, sort of like, like it was almost. I, I want to say it was like one of those flesh eating bacteria, um, but it might not have been because I just can't, you know a lot of people don't survive that. So yeah, um, pretty serious, um, and that he was just writing from a really dark place, and uh, you know. It was. It seemed like a really good one. Oh, he had E. coli. Oh man, that's rough. <laughs> he was incapable of uh, eating or getting out of bed. That's fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah, you can definitely hear that in the album. He <laughs> <laughs> was in a dark place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the, oh yeah. And then the other album I wanted to. Two other things I wanted to mention that might have made my list if I had actually heard them. Um, <laughs> which is funny a funny uh distinction to make but um the album zoo by ceremony um just because i'm honestly based on the description on here uh like i'm actually looking at rolling stones 27 best albums you didn't hear in 2013 which oh, i've heard a lot, i've heard some of them um look at you but uh but this is one that like i keep forgetting about like it's one that i'd heard of before this but um, it's one of those ones where I'm like, oh, yeah, I would probably like that. Anything that – like if they say Joy Division in the same sentence of as it, I pretty much want to listen to it and maybe put it in my top ten list. So this mentions Joy Division, so probably um, – <laughs> I want to hear it is my point. I haven't yet. I want to hear it. Um, and then uh, the other two, which I said there were one, but there aren't, um, is uh, the new Holograms album. Which I really yeah I didn't get to hear that one. I loved their first album so much, which is the music I used um, in the announcement I made about us returning. Was I used Holograms music um, in that announcement? Um, but they had a new album that was from their first album that came out last year. But they had a new album this year. Haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. I really like that band, so it might have made my top ten. And then the other one is the new Tennis album, which I didn't get to hear either. Um, I really liked their first album, which I think also came out last year. Uh, but they had a new album, and it like kind of sprung up on me, and I still haven't listened to it. But uh, those are three bands that I – well, two bands I really enjoy and one that I have a feeling I'd really enjoy. Um, I'll just I'll just run down my Oliver mentions oh, really yeah, quick I... in case anyone is at this point still listening. Um, I thought uh, Big Black Delta by Big Black Delta was a really good album. Uh, Deer Hunter, Monomania, uh, Super Chunk, I Hate Music. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Laura Muvula, uh, Sing to the Moon. It's like a soul singer from from England. She was really good. Um, the DuckTales album, The Flower Lane, and uh, uh, Thundercat, uh, Apocalypse. Those are the honorable mentions. Thundercat was really good. Um, I do want to give a special dishonorable mention to the new Phoenix album. <laughs> the hell are you guys doing? Come on, man. Get it together. You guys are a really good band. Make a good album. Yeah, that and um, – oh, I can't, I can't even think. Cut Copy, the new Cut Copy, I was not – 
uh, impressed with at all. Or what uh, was uh, it was one? literally called Open Your Mind or something like that, I think. <laughs> uh, no, no age. Um, an object that just sounded stupid. <laughs> I'm just gonna start. I don't even know if that's a sentence. I'm just gonna start hating now <laughs> and stop Englishing. Um, y'all weak, son. Y'all weak. <laughs> I, I think I think we've said everything there is to say ever about music, about music. from our perspective for this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could have. I believe so. Oh, the sp- okay. Well, two more things is uh. The Speedy Ortiz album, which I still haven't got a chance to listen to, Major Arcana. It's really got a cool 90s sound. And then uh, the So So Glows album, um, which is really like a like a pop punk kind of kind of feel. Um, those were both really good. And Room Runner. Room Runner is a band from Baltimore that put out an album this year that's really got a cool 90s sort of sound um those are good too so anyway that's all we have for this week we are yo mtg taps stop bitching start talking about music for a really 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 long time so people never listen to your podcast we are